Welcome to the podcast, the destination for insightful discussions and interviews on the appreciation, conservation, and husbandry of reptiles with a focus on turtles and tortoises. Now, let's join our team of turtle nerds. All right. Welcome, welcome. Podcast episode 98, question mark? I thought it said 97 earlier. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if Steve got booted off before we went live, if that got changed. 98, 98 is, right. is right. Okay, so he fixed it. 98 is right. It is episode 98. I was like, oh man, we're going to be at episode 100 in like July because we will be doing an extra episode in May. We're going to do one in two weeks from today uh, just to talk about current events. There are so many things going on right now, so we'll be touching on a lot of those things. But uh, without further ado, we're here with uh, Emily and Kevin. Hi, guys. Hi, your, everyone. Your esteemed co-hosts. I'm Anthony, uh, the tall turtle nerd, and then I'm going to stick with the 3T theme. And then, of course, two turtle Tom as our special, very special guest for tonight. Hi, Tom. Thanks, Anthony. Hi, Emily. Tom Arbor. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Welcome. Hey, Tom. Tom Arbor. And, and for anyone who doesn't know Tom, first of all, you are in for a treat because I'm sure you're an awesome person and you're about to meet an awesome person. I'm stealing that from Ted Lasso. But the point is, Tom... <laughs> Awesome person that you need to know. It's it's uh, it's a little bit um, we're a little bit behind the the eight ball here on just today. Probably should have done a little while ago, but we're excited to have him. And uh, Tom is also a great listen just in general, even if you don't like him, because he's got a heck of a radio voice, and that's one thing I appreciate about him, among many other things. Thank you much. Does, is that awkward? Does it? Do you like? I don't. Should I talk no, after that? Or? I can. I remember <laughs> being a kid and just hating my voice um but uh now i'm used to it so bring it on it's good it's good and i'm getting used to it too so it's a comforting voice i like listening to speaking of radio voices you guys remember the man with the golden voice from columbus ohio ted williams do you remember that guy did he was like 15 minutes of fame oh it didn't make it it did kevin did you know what i'm talking about yeah he he was a homeless man i remember Uh, that yes yes so Ted, five years later, would stop in gas stations and ask people um, if they wanted a signed autograph. And so I've met met him several times in clubs. Anyways, there's my radio voice story. That's awesome. And he he had a heck of a radio voice. That's okay, though. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mine is nothing like his. Yours is still pretty good. Yeah, in turtle like world, it. you're you're that guy. Thank you. Yeah, you're and, and, and but less homeless. Yes, and it's so, yeah, yeah. I, I yes, less homeless. That's the sure. goal. That's the so, goal. I, I'm really happy to be here, and um, you know, of course, I love to talk and love to talk turtles with Ryan yep. Dumas, who also has a fantastic voice. So he does. Um, you both really do, and different too. Both a little different. Sometimes to me, you know, being from out here. And hearing people from the Midwest that kind of sound a little bit similar to me, you guys sound yeah. really different. You have distinct, but yep. also nice radio voices at the same time, and and yeah. you complement each other well. I think, I think your Thank podcast you is great. I love I love tuning into it. So anyone who hasn't checked it out, it's called Let's Talk Turtles, and it's on it's it's a audio only, so it's, yep. it doesn't have the video component like the podcast does. Uh, it's it's audio only, but it's on most platforms where you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. We love and if it. If you want to see 
Oh, go ahead. I just cut you off. No, I just, rude. About every two weeks, we try to put out an episode. Yep. Okay. And, and if how you many want to see you know? Tom? 18, 19, something like that. Oh, awesome. that's, that's that catalog. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I'm not caught up. <laughs> if you want to see Tom in the video portion of the Turtle Media World, then check out YouTube, where he's under the name Two Turtle Tom, which is his name here. And uh, he does some great stuff there. Uh, live streams every Thursday night now. It used to be every Wednesday. Every, it to every, every Thursday. Thursday at 8. I Trying switched to me on my toes. with my friend Sean, who is a chameleon and tortoise guy, uh, also in the Cleveland area. And he had some work changes. And so he switched to 8. And I switched to Thursday night at 8. So he, he switched to Wednesday at 8. So we flip-flopped. And I'm going to have it so much. On. I, I tell you, we, we used to do, we, we were the only show in town for a long time when it comes to turtles. And the first one that I could remember kind of coming out besides us was what the shell. And I remember talking to Cody who was doing that at the time. And he was like, is this okay? Like, is this okay? Is I'm like, absolutely. And you know, the person who we had on uh, who really, helped me kind of solidify that thought that there's room for everyone. And we actually, we all do better if there are more people doing this sort of thing was Mzotic because mm. she spoke about that in the YouTube space. Like actually the algorithm favors it when there are multiple creators talking about the same yeah. thing and everybody gets more views if there are more people getting the message out there. So, and really makes our life easier because we can see like, Hey, there's a live stream a couple of days before we do a podcast and they're talking about some, you know, issue that's come up or something that's on it going, going wild on social media or whatever like that. It actually is helpful for us for content, what we're going to talk about yep. because we all live busy lives and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm just, I'm loving it. I love tuning in. I think you see I'm there most, most nights checking you out. So I love what you're doing. Thank you much. We are creating a whole genre of, of turtle media. People. That's the way it should be. I've yeah, been saying for years. Why, why are all reptile things snake people? Why? Why? There's a, like that's. I don't know yep. that that's how it needs to be. I think there are other subgenres, like you said, that can really go a long way and and do a lot yeah. if we put our our messages out there. Especially, got, like turtles are, and and Zach Loafman was the first person I said this. Like turtles in the in the reptile space are the turtle keepers are the most conservation minded of all the reptile keepers. So like, let's celebrate that. Let's get the message out there, you know, and, and that kind of leads into other things that we've been seeing with, you know, FWC and different laws and bills that are being proposed and passed. Maybe that was respectively backwards. Don't know, but either way, there's a lot of stuff happening. That's really scary out there right now. Yeah. I think that's a good segue uh, for talking about. You uh, like that? Let's... Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Go with it. Audio cut out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. So, I mean, I, I think we should talk about it really quickly. Um, as everyone is aware, there's a lot going on uh, in Florida right now uh, with some recent events that happened with uh, the authorities, law enforcement, and a gentleman who had some snakes uh, put down. I'm pretty sure everyone's aware of that. Is uh, my audio is cutting out? Can you hear? Can you guys hear me? Okay. I can no hear problem. you perfectly. I can hear you perfectly. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, it's you're, you're cutting out on my end. Hang on a sec. Sorry about that. Okay. All right. I can hear you again. 
Yeah, so um, uh, Tom, you had mentioned to us earlier that you used to work with the state um, of Ohio. So I was wondering yeah. if you could give your opinion on what's going on in Florida right now. Sure. Well, l- let me tell you a little bit my, about my experience with uh, exotic animals and working for the Ohio Department of Natural Resources Division of Wildlife, which that is the equivalent agency of the Fish and Wildlife Commission in Florida. And so I started working there in 2012. And in 20, and at that time, Ohio had a reputation for mo- being one of the most liberal states for allowing exotic animal ownership. There were virtually no regulations at the state level that prevented you from owning a tiger, a bear, a a giant python. And so we were kind of on the radar for that, you know, quite frankly. And I I think Pennsylvania, Anthony, seems to to have uh, similar... um, just kind of uh, lax restrictions. We were even known for this exotic animal auction where people would come from around the country to actually buy, you know, these exotic animals. So that's interesting. Yeah. And so that changed while I was working for the division of wildlife. And in 2012, uh, there was a gentleman and this made national news, um, 2012, 2013, sometime in there. I don't remember the exact, um, um, could have been 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, an animal, uh, a gentleman owned dozens and dozens of tigers, lions, and bears. I remember. Yep, his private collection. Oh my! Uh, and and so <laughs> so um, on the record, this gentleman released the animals, all of them, and ended his life. So a small rural township just outside of a a small city, Zanesville, Ohio, um, had to grapple with uh, 40, 50 lions, tigers, and bears that had been released. I remember that. Absolutely. So that was Ohio's wake-up call. And I was working for the Division of Wildlife at the time when all that happened. So, you know, I was at trainings and meetings and watching the chiefs talk about it and, like, what are we going to do? So in Ohio, the Division of Wildlife was adamant that they not be the responsible agency to regulate exotic animals. They wanted to stay and focus their efforts on wild animals because that's where their expertise is. That's what they know. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. They were able to successfully lobby and said, and then basically said, no, we don't want any part of this exotic animal regulations that come is coming down the pipe. We do not want to regulate exotic animals. We don't want any part of that. We think it should be the Department of Agriculture. They're mm-hmm. the ones that uh, certify, you know, animal operations and things like that with exotic species like cows, <laughs> horses, you know. Uh, And so they were successful. So in Ohio, you don't have wildlife agents enforcing exotic animal laws, right? Because it's just a totally different specialty. You have, we have um, people that are specialized in agriculture. So they're learning about the exotic animals only. 
and they're the ones enforcing that. So I, I just have to think if if uh, perhaps in Florida had had the Fish and Wildlife Commission stayed out of the exotic animal regulations, perhaps that horrible, tragic accident, which was this apparently testosterone enraged uh, in, event, um, you know, went down with with people who, quite frankly, don't know anything about those animals. Mm-hmm. But that, that's my take. I really like how we did it in Ohio. And I, I don't think um, a, a Fish and Wildlife Commission that specializes in native wildlife really has any business regulating the exotic species. Um, mm-hmm. That if, if you're going to regulate the exotic species, bring in experts in exotic species. That, that's my take. So you think Ohio is doing it the right way then? I mean, personally, I like how we're doing it. I like um, it too. I don't dislike that. Yeah, yeah. It sounds right. People that are keeping snakes over 12 feet don't like it. And we have <laughs> chronic uh, non-compliance with that particular regulation because you have to have um, a special permit, insurance, double locks, similar to what Florida did for some of their big exotic snakes. But if your snake is 11 feet, 10 inches, perfectly legal. 11 feet two or 12 feet two inches it's it's illegal so people have qualms with that um part of the rule but yeah i i like that you have people that are trained in exotic animals regulating the exotic animals and and the, and the experts in the native wildlife they handle wildlife violations like hunting violations i mean those those guys that we saw there that's what they're used to um you know enforcing um high profile poaching rings and and big big money operations things like that so mm-hmm. i just think it's the it's the wrong wrong people um they probably don't have the training they need to have to do those things um they were probably put in a really bad place by their spectator or by their uh, supervisors and then um the heat of the moment and this kind of you know in in uh, high testosterone, high impact kind of emotion, adrenaline environment, you know, they have snakes attacking them and um, they just, they lose all cool and situational awareness. I mean, it, it just, it, it, it's the worst uh, possible outcome, really. I'm just happy to know that the 12 foot snakes are not going to be populating Lake Superior anytime soon. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're stopping them at the at uh, the Kentucky West Virginia border, I guess. So. We all know that they can become invasive <laughs> species in the U.S. So the Everglades, Lake Superior, it's all the same thing. So they just have a size restriction and not necessarily a species restriction. Correct. Yep, you can keep reticulated pythons under twelve feet. Once they go over, you can still keep them. You just have to have this permit, which like only 10 people in the state have actually received. Um, that's they don't, because they don't give the permit that, to many people. Well, no, no, they just, nobody's applying for it, quite frankly. Yeah. Is it an expensive permit or they just, uh, people just don't want to do it regardless? It's it's a pain in the butt. I'm sure. It, it requires insurance. It requires double locks. Um, there is one okay. person that I've seen on Facebook that actually complies and advertises that he complies and he shows all the measures. So people don't want to be in the system. 
Mm-hmm. And and I, that's why I don't keep native wildlife. I really don't want to be in my former employer's system. I could keep native wildlife. I could keep captive bred unlimited amount of Ohio native species as long as I register each one of those animals, keep fantastic records, and pit tag them all. So even though these these rules are put in place, they they're 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 to deter the ownership of those animals, even though mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it is legal. So very few people will actually go through and comply, right? And and I don't know the details of of the fish and wildlife uh, story. I've only seen little bits and clips of it, but that's always been my perspective. Uh, working with uh, law enforcement, you know, they're they're very they're very dedicated dedicated employees and um just you you cannot be an expert in everything when you're on the front line of uh, law enforcement like that so really challenging i i you know i i am not a hunter but i've been through hunting education and the number one thing that you learn uh when you're hunting and i mean this is mantra throughout the um sort of consumptive use wildlife community is that you i positively identify your target before you pull the trigger right so that obviously didn't happen in this situation right yeah so i'm a hunter um and i i during the season i go hunting pretty much uh not every single day but every other day or i'm pretty close to it and that is definitely one thing in all of my hunter education classes is that they drill it into your head uh, make sure you know exactly what you are targeting it's something that's pretty important yep it's number yeah. one yeah so th- that's that's how i feel and you know I, I just think sticking fwc with exotic animal regulations that's a heavy lift for florida it's it's almost like they need their own agency standalone agency to enforce all of these exotic animal regulations if they are in fact going to pass them they need experts to actually enforce the laws um or else they'll have you know this is a pr nightmare right i mean if if as i advanced at odnr i was working on policy things you know there's people in tallahassee thinking like okay how how do we get out of this what are we going to say what are we going to do what's the next step um how does this impact what we had planned for six months to a year from now, I mean, it's big. This is a huge moment for them in the Fish and Wildlife uh, Commission down there. They messed up. They know it, and they're strategizing yeah. how to how to move forward. I'm sure. I think what you said about the comparison, that juxtaposition between Ohio, what you like about it, and then what you see as a need with the FWC and with Florida, or to, uh, some kind of piece of the state organization to work alongside FWC. Yeah. To, there's not a state in the U.S. that needs that more than Florida. Absolutely. Right? We, they've got more going on than anywhere. Miami has been the largest hub for, yep. you know, international trade in, in wild animals, like along with like, I don't even know, Hong Kong and <laughs> Jakarta. I yeah. don't even know, but it's, <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, that's yeah, that's a really yeah. interesting perspective that I hadn't heard yet in all of the coverage of, you know, what happened with the FWC. And I'm sure most people here, if you don't know it, then 
you can find it anywhere. Just Google FWC or or search it on on social media, and you'll find all you need to see. So we don't need to yeah. to go into all of the details. But but I think that's a really interesting perspective that really makes me happy that that we touched on that. So thanks, Tom, and thank you. You're Emily, welcome. Yeah, thank you. There. Wow. Uh, so I think that's that's an interesting piece that we could also use now as a segue into probably the biggest thing that I wanted to discuss with Tom, which is the fact that he and I have these, um, we, we like to, for lack of a better term, and this is a very harsh way to put it, argue, which we don't, we really just <laughs> have these, these um, animated conversations really about the semantics of what we do and what we're trying to do. And I guarantee you 100%, I know this for sure. And Tom and I don't talk a lot, you know, by voice. We're usually like commenting on each other's posts and things like that or, or on each other's podcasts or whatever. And we we are 100% on the same team. I know this. One, I know this. Tom, you, oh, totally, you, are, yes. you are exactly who I want to be talking to these, talking to about these things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we always, here you go, Michael in the chat said, I should have yeah. seen this coming, but we always have these kind of positive and animated for lack of a better term. I keep wanting to say heated, but yeah. it's not heated animated and, and, debates. Yeah. So, and, and that I've had, I've listened to uh, sort of your, your theses and, and I think they're very good. Right. And, um, but I, I, I had kind of been quiet until relatively recently just because I really didn't have the time to, to flesh it out, right? But I think what I want to, in, in the, the where I'm coming from is, okay, this is a really good conversation. Uh, I'm hearing kind of the same things over and over again. Let me put a little bit of a wrinkle into this and um, see how uh, we can come together as a community. And, um, you know, I, I think through it all, if it, what, what do you call raising turtles in captivity and, and breeding them and um, reptiles and amphibians and stuff? So the basic debate is this conservation or preservation, and we throw out words. Um, for, from, from my perspective, being in the, in the natural resources world, I don't think they're great fits either one of those words. Um, although I think, I tend to think that what we do is actually more conservation than preservation, um, at least in the historical use of the word. Um, but for me, and I know we disagree here, but for me, I, and, and I will compare this to my day job, which is horticulture. I, I think herpetoculture, no matter how we do it or why we do it, is a word that can unite us across all of these different concepts of why we're doing what we're doing. And I, I, I compare that to um, horticulture, conservation. Um, we can do conservation horticulture, but we can also grow marijuana. <laughs> That's also horticulture. And um, Believe it or not, right now, there's a big problem in the horticulture world, the public garden world, because people are leaving their kind of, you know, cush jobs in the public garden world, but don't pay very well. And they're using those same skills to go grow marijuana. 
Um, but I, I want to add something yeah. to this. <laughs> so so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I, I've heard you using the word herpeticulture lately. Yeah. And I don't love it either. I yeah, I know you. you hate that word. I love I, it. No, I don't, you don't like it. Can I tell you why? Yes, why I want to know. Yeah. I want to... I don't hate, I don't dislike the word. So so here's some things. Let's talk about things we don't like first, and then we can move yeah. past them. Ready? Yes. And I want to hear what you don't like too. Okay? okay. I don't like the word hobby. For me personally. Yes. Now, this is a yeah. hobby. Really? The people who are watching this are hobbyists. Mm-hmm. It's a hobby. But to me, it's more. Like when I bought my house, I bought yeah. it because I wanted to see endangered species hatch. When when I'm working with veterinary professionals, I'm ta- I'm interjecting with turtle crap that they don't want to hear like i'm obsessed to the point where it's it really is a huge part of what i'm trying to accomplish with my life this is my life's work i'm not it's not my livelihood it's not how i pay the bills it's not how i make money but it is my life's work and to me it's more than a hobby it's like a reckoning it's why i was born yeah uh and so to me it's more than that and her her pediculture it's it's the person who is keeping a leopard gecko and it's the person who is trying to who's doing like i don't know who's who's trying to breed an endangered species that's never been bred before that is about to go extinct in the wild and none of the zoos have it like her pediculture and hobby is like overarching for all of that and i want to differentiate i want to how what are the semantics i don't know anything that i necessarily love that's where I kind of adopted the preservation a little bit more because I felt sure. like it felt a little more like we're preserving, but it wasn't like fake that like this is conservation. But I don't know, maybe recently I'm thinking that maybe the conservation word should be used. And you just mentioned ex situ conservation. Like yeah. it's different, but it's still conservation. And yeah. when you, we were speaking to that earlier, it really struck a chord with me. And maybe yeah. that is where you and I could find some more common ground. But I don't know if anyone else yeah. wants to chime in with words they hate and we could start there. Or if there's anything else, Tom, you wanted to say, please go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Kevin, Emily, I mean, thoughts on it? Actually, I kind of have a thought on that. I feel like I, I call it the hobby too. And I feel like there's not necessarily a negative connotation to it, but I think, uh, remember I'm coming from the zoo perspective and in the zoo world, when we talk about hobbyists, uh, it's in, in our mind, the word hobby kind of has this connotation of some guy in his basement with a bunch of turtles, right? But it's just like this person's actually doing a lot for conservation and a lot of what has happened in the hobby has paved the way for zookeeping. So um, I feel like oftentimes if you go onto a reptile group on Facebook or something, if you mention that you work with reptiles professionally, then everyone kind of thinks that you're being a little pretentious and looking down your nose at everyone. But it's just like, no, we, we need to work together, not challenge each other. So um, I have I have a lot of feelings about the word hobby too. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a loaded comment. And, and I know Tom asked Kevin to... Uh, I can give my share if you like. Chime in. Just everyone yeah. knows Kevin is feeling a little under the weather, so his voice is extra sultry tonight. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for this, everybody. Uh, but hey, maybe it works out, and I'll talk like this every month on purpose. You sound, we'll I see. think you sound amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I like hey, girl. It. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the way I look at it is this. Realistically, what I do at home with my animals is a hobby. I'm not – I keep animals that don't really need help right now for any – purpose there's nothing i'm doing specific for that 
they're animals that I really enjoy keeping and it keeps me kind of grounded wanting to work with uh, turtles and tortoises um, because I get to share like watching them grow and feed and just the way they interact with each other are fun to be really amazing and that's a hobby to me. Uh, but in the inverse, doing things like this and I do educational talks about the animals, things like that. I think that part is more into like the herpeticulture aspect. Um, and while I know I can't do that on a big share, big share right now with the animal aspect. I just don't have the time, the resources. Uh, one day I hope to, but for right now, I enjoy my hobby dramatically. Um, and I like to help out where I can, whether it's in video when I can find time, the once a month on here, and uh, when I can do educational talks for kids. Yeah. But that's so, more too. That's more. Yeah, I, that's I, conservation because that's education. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. And, and so, Anthony, what I, I see her pedal culture as this umbrella, a big giant umbrella up in the sky that covers us all that work with the captive care of reptiles and amphibians. That's her pedal culture. And then I agree. The, the why separates us into different buckets. Um, and, and so, um, and those buckets, we can share information. You know, we can take a little water from one bucket and dip it into another. And 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 some people, that's the same person, right? So look look at someone like Ryan Dumas or Emily. I, I'm guessing you have maybe a private reptile collection, right? So sometimes you're under that culture bucket of the professional ex situ organizational conservation aspect of her pedal culture but at home perhaps you have a collection of uh turtle morphs for your kids because they're just darn engaging species that part of her pedal culture is the hobby of her pedal culture and so i i, I used a term that I would like to bring forward for things like what you do, Anthony. And that's just, that is what I'm going to call conscientious for pedal culture. Oh, I like that. See, yeah. this is what I wanted. This is when, when, when we're at, at work and we have these meetings about the schedule and trying to cover, you know, cover shifts at the hospital and what are we going to do and what new positions can we create and how are we going to leverage what we have? How are we going to yes. do the best we can with what we have to work with, right? Like, yes. And we yes. sit down and we, we have a finite amount of time. We're going to hash this out. We're going to figure this out. That is what I was hoping to do with yes. this episode more yes. so than any other. Absolutely. And I really like that. So you said conscientious her Con her pedoculture? Yeah, conscientious her pedoculture and I think we could come up with a list of 10 qualities oh. of conscientious her pedoculture. Um it's a little different um from ethical her pedoculture which I think has a, a different um that's more to do with animal welfare yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah which is that important we're, yeah yeah i think conscientious is is above and beyond that i mean you can be, you can be an ethical uh her pedoculturist but conscientious is is you are truly doing um and putting the animals um and the species first and that's why you're doing it because you care so much about this species and wanting it to succeed in this world, whether that is in the wild 
and you need to learn everything you can about it so you can take care of your own animals and at the same time you can match up your captive husbandry information and perhaps relay that information back to stuff that's happening in the wild um i just listened to one of the animals at home podcast today where eric haycraft is is telling about these conehead lizards he's discovering things from captive animals based on his husbandry modifications of temperature and relative humidity that cause these lizards to have different colors he's had them for years he gets the colors right and the colors match up with the wild animals now he used to think they were different species we couldn't have learned that in an in situ conservation um, situation. So conscientious ex situ herpetoculture, I think can have a lot of value and it is our job to define it better and then show people how powerful it can be. Would you co-author an, an article with me? Absolutely, let's do it. I would love that. I would love to have one of these kind of Zoom meetings to, to hash this stuff out and come up with definitions and then present it out there and then go with it. Like, I really think this is that important. Like, this Absolutely. is the future of our of our life's work. Like, like, we may lose the opportunity to do this anymore. Yeah. And it's not just doing what's fun or what's going to make you money or whatever. And if you're one of those people, hey, like, you like turtles too, awesome. But just because you like a certain species doesn't make us the same and doesn't make... And I'm challenging people, and that's that's what I that's what Dave Lee, my literary hero, did. His mm. articles 20 years ago were challenging people on these these things, and it's not just about keeping an animal. And I know a lot of there's a lot of movement, especially with the Animals at Home podcast. There's a lot of movement towards animal welfare, and that's awesome. Like we should do everything we can to take care of animals, but but we chose turtles. And those animals are different. Like those animals are in trouble because of humans and they need conscientious. I'm going to have to work on my pronunciation. Yeah, conscientious. 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 Yeah. Herpetoculture. I have Herpetoculture. been to toying with the, it, should we call it colonoculture or something similar? <laughs> um <laughs> I, 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 even, I even wrote it out the other day. I don't know if anybody's using that word, but um, um, I, I, I think there's value in us identifying with other communities under that umbrella of herpetoculture. And I will tell you the number one person that I've learned that from is Bill Strand, who hosts the Chameleon Academy podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've seen him now with Madagascar, he went there with Dave Kaufman, but uh, I listen to every single one of his podcasts and it's all about unifying a community of chameleon keepers. Mm -hmm. And that's really what inspired me to email Ryan and say, hey, Ryan, how's your podcast? I, you haven't put one out in a while. And yeah. he's like, well, let. Uh, how about I interview you? And now we're doing it every other week. So. <laughs> That's where I am. We need we need to to build this community. Um, we need to be proactive. We you know uh, this this theory and in, in, in sort of ex situ private conservation, which is part of this conscientious herpetoculture um, movement that I would like to put forward. You know, it's it's really 
these ideas have all been formulated after the Egyptian tortoise ruling. Mm-hmm. And, and that has rocked our world, I think. Um, so conscientious herpetoculture. I like yeah, that but... a lot. And I just Go wanted ahead. to actually throw out a question from our friend Michael, uh, which is, what is your response? And this could be for anyone or everybody. What is your response to a hobbyist who asks, how what you are doing is helping with conservation of that species. So this is the article, Michael, but um, if I bring out my notes, I I have some things um, that a conscientious uh, herpetoculture effort must be, some of which, you know, are just ideas at this time. Um, The animals need to be part. Hold on. Okay. What article? What article? We're writing an article. <laughs> Who's writing an article? You and me. You just he wrote just agreed upon this. Since... He already wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> you wrote it in the last three minutes that you've been speaking. Well, I've been writing it. You? Yeah. I'm not. No. We're not writing it together. If you've already been writing it, I thought I was asking you something really interesting, where we could push each other. Since we have this this kind well, of the, we have a very Sam and Diane from Cheers type of romance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of on again off again it's very um, there's te- that's it's hilarious tense. it's tense in a loving way. um yeah. no I, I don't know i don't think it's tense anthony i'm all good no i'm totally kidding um, it's not tense no okay okay fun. yeah but, yeah but okay you're already writing something so we're not oh, doing this then. Uh, no i'm just getting ideas on paper and the more people that we can have a part of this <laughs> idea the better um so can you guys hear that uh, my son is singing in the background. Oh, no, I couldn't hear that. That's cool. I, um, we love okay. singing. Yeah, so, st- th- so, you know, essentially we have, how are we going to prove that what we're doing is conservation to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service who says, you people that are breeding Egyptian tortoises, that doesn't count. It's not important. It's worthless. Okay, so here's some of my ideas. Um, the animals must be in a stud book. Animals have to be pit tagged. We have to know what animal is what animal. And we can talk about some of these ideas later. Again, these are just ideas. Um, We need to consult with population experts that do recommend breedings of certain animals in that population. We, We need to work together to collaborate and manage that population of the particular species we really are working with. Um, has to be collaborative. You can't do it by yourself. That's that's really, really key. Um, we have to collaborate with the government. We have to be at the table before public comment periods. They don't really take public comments seriously. They already have their mind up by that point. Um, yeah, Egyptians were a great example of that. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, we we have to be respectful and comply with the law. To to be a conscientious herpetoculturist is someone that does not say things like, um, "Yeah, I just got this from Joe because he brought it up from Florida, and now I have a pair of these." We don't do that. We don't even talk about it. We don't think it. Um, so those are some of the things, uh, and e- education and sharing of your findings. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you have to publish. You have to be writing about what you're doing. The Badiger is the first place. Uh, find a co-author. If you don't like to write, find Anthony or I. We'll, we'll co-author. We'll help you write your articles. You need to get this information published. You show Fish and Wildlife Service a few published articles. That's a thousand times more effective than a public comment. So those are some of the things, Michael. I, I think we can do it. I, it's not going to be everybody, and that's okay. You can do uh, her ethical her her pedoculture as a hobbyist, but there's going to be collaboration needed if if we truly want to make a difference and be partners with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service instead of them just saying you don't matter. Couple things to unpack here because I have to. Yeah. Number one, number one, I've never loved you more than I do in this moment. <laughs> that's number one and most important. So that's why that's number one. Okay. Yes. First and foremost. Yes. Yes. Uh, number two, you have to realize that what Tom is talking about is we have to realize you could, you could spend the next 20 years of your life trying to partner with fish and wildlife and it may not happen. Yep. It is a, it might be an exercise in futility. It might be a, a, a hill that we die on, but it is the right thing to do. And for that reason, because animals come first, it's what we need to do. And then the other piece too, that I just want to circle back on is you mentioned stud books. So yeah. the AZA has made it extremely difficult for private folks to participate in their species survival programs going forward, including their stud books, which have kind of been merged together over the years. And that's really unfortunate. And it makes me wonder now if it's time to start to try to organize some books in us, you know. Oh, am I am I lost now or did Steve go away? I'm not sure. Can you guys still hear me? You yeah, broke you up did just cut a little out bit. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Stuff started to look a little have issues here so you can pick it up if you want to but stud books may be an issue going forward is my point mm-hmm. uh but say what you want to say about them though i just wanted to make sure i wasn't getting dropped off I, if i am just interrupt me you're, and let me know you're good i want to make sure it's not yeah, ruining anything yeah so Your yeah, point so, still came across. yeah so now the aza wants to have and we've talked about this before on the podcast but not in a while i don't think but the to have not only a person from a zoo well, a person from a zoo has to visit your facility, but then a head person from a zoo needs to write a letter of recommendation for you. A head person, not a person from a zoo, a head person, like a, like a head curator, a director, yeah. a, a, a senior director. Oh, Steve says two head Steve, people, two like head presidents, people. presidents of the zoo. Yeah. Top okay, level. Yeah. great. Two top level people running a zoo. Great. Good luck. And I actually, I had a zoo here that was set up to come and do it. And zoos can be very bureaucratic. I had a friend at the zoo, like maybe a Ryan level, like a, like a lead keeper who's going to come to my place and check it out. And then I know the people who run the zoo here in Connecticut and they were going to come and they were going to write the, for me, but they didn't want to let him come and visit. They wanted to come and visit. And guess what? They never came and visited because it's bureaucratic. And so this is this is what we're up against and again like you said and like we were just talking about you have to it's the it's the hill that we have to die on unfortunately we can't give up and i need to be i need to be reminded of that more than anyone but uh as far as stud books maybe it's time to come up with a different idea of something that we can do uh if we can't use the aza maybe we 
collaborate with some ZAA institutions. Maybe we collaborate with some conservation, smaller conservation organizations like the Turtle Room or something like that to yeah. try to and, and TTPG or something to try to make something that mm -hmm. that's more organized than just hey, I have some turtles and oh, by the way, I got arrested for poaching, but that was like ten years ago. Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's yeah. no big deal. Here I am showing yeah. up to try to get you to not pass this law. Yeah. Like we look really bad for a lot of reasons all the time. And I think people are not mindful of it. I hope if we keep having these conversations, we can get better. So I learned how to be a lobbyist at my last job at ODNR. Um, I got the job and I thought it was just going to be a, yeah, Tom, go design and build some trails kind of job. That's what I thought, but I quickly realized that a group of, of six major trail types, so motorized trails, mountain bikers, the Buckeye Trail, which is backpacking, horsemen, canoeists, they had been lobbying for this, the, the state for like a decade to get something to happen. They never gave up. Finally, they bugged in a nice way. The administration so much, the administration said, okay, we will create a new position within government, call them the, the trails administrator, and you can bug him for the next four years. And guess what? They called me every other day for four years, probably. Um, very nice, always cordial, very professional, but they don't give up. Um, so... You know, how many times did you call that director that didn't come to your house? I don't know. But this is what people do that are successful. They, they, they're always there. They don't back down. I think Phil Goss is really good. And I, I think U.S. Arc, he is the best thing for U.S. Arc because he knows the game. And mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. You just, you, you have to kill them with kindness. Even if you don't agree with them, you just have to make them know that you are not going anywhere. Squeaky wheel, yeah. For decades. Yeah. Just like you said, Anthony, we're not kidding. Yeah. But, but our children will be better off for it if we do it. Correct. If we do it the and right play way the and game. selfish, yeah. And prove that we're worthy over decades because that's how things happen in this in this world in the, in the lobbying world i need to talk to you more often i really do and <laughs> I, one, more, yeah. one more piece i want to add on the stud books just so everyone knows the turtle room had a stud book for western herman's tortoises yeah. it made sense to do it and we learned a lot through that process enough so much that we haven't dared to venture into that landscape again maybe it's <laughs> worth considering down the line but i'll just say for anyone who ever wants to try to do something like that the the issue was that it was tied very heavily towards the sale of animals and uh what happens there is you the animals go to people who pay and that's it so you're looking for somebody who has the money for what you want to sell okay that's kind of i don't know uh inappropriate from the beginning and then the people who would get those animals would then either breed them if they were adults or go ahead and sell them after the fact, after they bought them. 
and use the fact that they were stud book registered as a selling point for the animal to say, hey, you want this, this is stud book registered. If you buy this from me, you're gonna be a part of conservation. And uh, it's it's a really sad and, and unfortunate piece of it. Uh, and people did that with radiated tortoises as well because mm -hmm. Michael Ogle is somebody who historically has been very open to working with the, the private private sector or, or, or pediculturists uh, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he's even now uh, has his hands tied a little bit with the AZA side uh, in terms of what stud books can go going uh, can do going forward. But this mm -hmm. radiated tortoise was one where people would say stud book, you know, from stud book number, this and this and this is you know or this is a get actual stud book numbers for the hatchlings in the past i haven't seen that in a few years now but using that as a selling point and i think you're missing the point if you're doing that and i think i, I yeah. think that that's what killed the i know that that's what what killed the western herman's stud book before it even had a chance and it's unfortunate because that could have been a flagship program to really become the model of what we could do together collaboratively and instead it became a dead uh, uh means of selling a couple animals for perhaps more money or perhaps to a larger audience mm. really interesting and you know i i did not say demonetize the animals that are involved in conscientious herpetoculture but that's certainly on my mind because the, yeah. and the only way I say that is because if we, as private herpetoculturists united, are going to uh, emulate what the AZA is doing, uh, it 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 has to be not for profit mm -hmm. at a minimum. And so that doesn't mean you can't sell animals, but it's a not for profit venture. That's you guys know point. a lot yeah. about not-for-profits. I work for a not-for-profit. We have a $16 million budget, and we're bringing lots of revenue. Zoos are making money off their animals, okay? They are using the animals to make money. It's just not by exchanging the animals with other organizations. But are they using animals to, to generate revenue? Yes, absolutely. It's just that. They're doing it as a not-for-profit 501c3 corporation. And in our country, in our heads, that status basically gives you carte blanche. It gives you the benefit of the doubt um, with anyone you want to partner with because there's this certain level of trust that you're doing it for the right reasons. And there's always question when there's profit involved. And that's just, that's just how our country works. A certain yeah. amount of our oversight, Steve, absolutely. Yes, as a 501c3, you have to report lots of information to the federal government. Like we have to, I have to report how many trees we acquire each year or how many plants we acquire. So absolutely. Really interesting points. And I, I think that is a good microcosm for kind of what we need to be better at. And I think, uh, you know, if you're if you're tuning into this, I, I encourage you to really do some soul searching and think about why are you in this? I, I think all the time, if this was totally demonetized, 
Like nothing was worth anything. It was just what you wanted to have and what needed to be bred to be, you know, to have less pressure or whatever, like what I mean, I guess it'd be less pressure if there was no money, uh, no monetary value, but let's just say people wanted to collect things to keep us pets and pass around or whatever. Like, I don't know, things are endangered. If it was just what you wanted to breed because it needed help or just what you wanted to keep because you enjoyed it, how many people would have how many animals and, and how many, how many people that we know that are like pillars of our community would be gone if there was no monetary uh, incentive for breeding animals. Yeah. And I, I'm not against the concept of conservation by commercialization. I, I, I'm not against having those animals, a large population of even fairly inbred animals. I think that can have positive benefits too. But in, 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 in my lifetime, I don't think the conservation by commercialization argument is going to um, win over uh, anyone that is employed by the government to uh, do conservation. And I was one of those people for 20 years. So yeah I... and and i'm not against people making a living like breeding selling it like it is what yep. it is some of my Absolutely. best friends have made a living doing that like yeah. I'm, I'm and i love them uh what I a just... great life i mean really to be surrounded by lots of turtles and yeah. giving people the opportunity to have an amazing pet yeah i just i don't know i just um i think that what we what we put forward needs to be a more polished version of who we are and yep. I've, I've always said you know the most the most public account of who we are is like the classified ads like if i'm a wildlife agent that's the first yeah. place i go to see what's cooking right and yeah. it's gross it's gross yeah. it's like the least educated members of our of our demographic making it look like it's all about the money looking for a buck a quick buck like it's really sad and it's unfortunate and then a lot of people who are more experienced and know a little better are experienced enough to know that they don't want to be in the public eye so they get quieter and they fall behind the scenes so you know if we can yeah. spread positive messages and help to challenge people to be better ourselves included i'm not perfect and i need to be better in a lot of ways that's that's what these platforms are about. It's not just about geeking out about what you're passionate about and what makes you excited, but like, what can we do to be better? Because only then can we, can we go to sleep at night or, or, you know, throw in the towel one day and say, I did everything I could do from my perspective, from my position in life to try to help as opposed to, mm, yeah, maybe I did exploit animals for 20 years back then or whatever, you know, you know like, and just just if you look at the few charismatic animals that have gone extinct in the uh, recently, uh, my son, you probably are going to hear that because my son just started playing the electric guitar. Ah! Um, That's awesome. But, um, he just knows he's, he's not supposed to do that on Thursdays, so he's yeah, not yeah, fault. exactly. This is a Monday. No um, so, oh, this is funny. Um, the, the, the bottom line, and I totally lost my train of thought of what I was going to say there, though, but... Um, Just so you know, oh, I, I know. can barely yeah. hear it. I okay. can barely hear cool. it, and it sounds cool. kind yeah. of awesome. So okay, it's cool. sweet. Yeah. It's my soundtrack. Um, 
when you need an animal because a species is extinct and the only animals are in captivity, nobody cares about that. No, nobody questions it. it. It's like, holy crap, at least we have a few. So if radiated tortoises go extinct in Madagascar, um, we still can put some back there. We have the tools, we have the genetic ability, you know, the skills to be able to introduce these animals. And we'll have literally a thousand plus animals to choose from, even though this effort really wasn't coordinated. I mean, there was there's a stud book for radiated tortoises. So yeah, if there's five radiated, radiated tortoises left in the wild, we're sending them back. Nobody's going to question it. I, I guarantee Tom. it. Yes, Tom. I, I gotta. I want to challenge you on that. Okay. So, think about an animal like the axolotl, which is basically extinct in its native range, but mm. in herpeticulture, it's very, very prominent because one animal can produce three hundred more at a clip. Uh, so, in captivity, they they flourish, but in the wild, you're hard pressed to find one. You know, looking for it for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, you know, the problem with axolotls is that they've uh, been bred with tiger salamanders. And so mm. the, the, the um, genetics is, is really poor. Um, is that the case with all of them? I wasn't aware. Of, I know they're closely related. <laughs> no, yeah, no, the axolotls that are in the pet trade, yeah, they've, they've been interbred. Um, okay. So uh, maybe they're, I, I have no idea what percent DNA but that is the particular problem with axolotls. Um, okay. So I, they're going to live as a captive species. Yeah. That that's mm -hmm. isn't that an interesting survival method? Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the humans are going to kill, like, destroy our habitat. However, we're going to trick them into them taking care of us and providing these little homes in their homes. That's a pretty interesting reproductive strategy, evolutionary strategy. Plants do it a lot. Uh, just being neonate forever? Uh, no, just tricking humans to uh, provide them habitats. Like dogs did, yeah. Yeah. Those stupid, cute gills that they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh my god. Know. Like, Johnny Axolotl, can you believe it? We made it into the video game. Yes, they're going to love us and take care of us forever. Our species well. will never go extinct. <laughs> that, th that's the other side of the coin. Okay, yeah. we destroyed the habitat. Is there any, is nature real anymore? Is there truly um, in situ and ex situ conservation? Are we just all living in this planet and we're cutting it up into these little um, different continents? And uh, making these, you know, false uh, borders, and and yeah. and ultimately, that's what we yeah. do as people. And you and you know, as a plant person, that 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 it, the 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 wilderness that used to exist is so far gone already <coughs> that mm -hmm. it's it's really yeah. it's it's really crazy to think about that too. Yeah, and and the I used to work for the State Nature Preserve Division in Ohio. And, and that whole program was established in 1970 based on the fact that you could go out and find these remnants of Ohio and 
call it a state nature preserve and put a fence around it. And it would be like that forever. Well, guess what? 40 years from now or now, 50 years later, those preserves are like infected with invasive species and are, are you know, losing their rare species, even though we put a fence around it and called it a state nature preserve. So the world is changing and our, our, our knowledge of ecology and how to manage rare species is changing. And in the community, there's enough of us that we can work together and I think make a difference 10 years from now, 15 years from now, we set up these captive populations that are managed perhaps by a nonprofit. And then we can say to the US Fish and Wildlife Service, look, we're managing this population it's coordinated by a nonprofit. How does this change your decision? Great point. Okay, That's so here, now we're at a, we're at an hour now. Okay, uh, Emily, did you have something to say? No, no, no. I was just gonna say that just, was like beautifully put. I I really like the way you stated that. I completely agree. See, yeah. thank you. I'm telling you, he's like my my new man crush. Uh, <laughs> so the. So here's here's what I want to do. And, and Steve put this in the chat. We have a chat that only we can see. I know I've mentioned this before on the show as well. So Steve says we'll have to work together to make those see comment on 10 tenets of conscientious turtle uh, turtle culture. Uh, so I would like to propose now a year. It was a year plus ago now that we first started working on um, really developing a, a strategy and and a a a way of uh, a plan for combating the Egyptian tortoise legislation, right? So, so Ralph and James Badman and and Russ and and Michael and I don't know who else I'm forgetting. We all kind of got together and said, "Hey, we need to come up with something so that it shows that we have the clout of several nonprofit organizations behind this, saying, "Hey, here's what's being done." And and the main point uh, um, angle that we took was here's the, the amount of hatchlings in the last three years, over 500 hatchlings in the last three years that have been produced. And here's how many have been produced in zoos, like less than five in the last three years. That is incredible for a species that's been kept in zoos and privately for a long time. Uh, and that was really important work, but that's over now. And we we made a valiant effort and I feel very proud and, and very proud of the work that we did, very grateful for the people that collaborated on that. But now there's you know, new things going on. And we have this wonderful idea, Tom, that you're talking about. I'm so excited and I don't want to steal your thunder. So you're talking about being collaborative. I want you to know that we're in and I'd love to see Michael or anyone else from the TTPG who'd be interested in doing this. I always use Michael just because he's probably my closest friend out of everyone there, just because, you know, he's always available. Thanks, Michael. How do we get together some sort of, and and anyone else who wants to be involved, who's a part of of an organization, Emily, would love to have you like to, to, to have meetings to discuss, okay, how do we come up with something that we can kind of present? And we have all these different organizations with their websites that can say, hey, we are, we're a part of this summit or this, this special group that came together that collaborated to identify what people should be aspiring to. I can't tell you how many times people reach out to me and say, hey, Anthony, I'm interested. I want to know what species should I keep to make the biggest impact? And really, it may not be what species you keep, but how. 
right? And Tom, you're yeah. absolutely a founding member of, yeah. and not just from animal welfare, but like how you present yourself, how you present the work you're doing. You're a founding member of the, the Conixis working group. Like, absolutely. That, right. Like let's, yep. that's another that's, group, right? That's, another that's a model that if we can bring these together and then come up with some of these definitions and some of these terms, again, you and I love talking about semantics. We can maybe get some ideas on paper. <clears throat> you already did. Uh, and build on that and fine tune it and then get it on all the websites. Uh, Steve Enders yep. says that he thinks another friend of ours would be great on that. So we're already volunteering people. Excellent. Um, mm -hmm. th this is this is exciting and, and what we're doing is turning this moment where the US Fish and Wildlife Service has said, you don't matter and give us, they've Correct. basically, if you read that whole document, they give us the blueprint. And all we need to do it's a little more complicated than that, but just read everything they said. You're right, and, though. And, and, and say, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. We can do that. And then we show it to them. They're like, oh, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> nice job. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It, it takes persistence. It takes patience. It takes civility. Um, but... You can change minds. And I, I think this Egyptian tortoise ruling is the place that we move forward. We unite, work together. I love it. And just yeah. remember too, one more takeaway, like we, it's, it can be really difficult when there's people who are so, uh, so polar opposite from where we stand in terms of our viewpoints and what we really think is important and that we hold a lot of value in. Uh, but that's really the name of the game is bringing together stakeholders from the opposite side. So we start off by bringing stakeholders together like this, who are really allies. We wouldn't be on this podcast together if we were not allies, but then taking it a step further and looking for folks outside of that. And even perhaps again, across the aisle who, who actually hate what we do, because as much as we may not be able to even join forces with them ever in any reasonable way, we may be able to learn from what they're saying so that we can identify our own weaknesses and try to downplay those and then play up the things that we think are real selling points, right? Like how can you go to Disney and spend 85% of your time, I'm going this week, by the way, how can you spend 85% of your time waiting in lines to then be on the plane ride back thinking, man, I can't wait to go and do that again. The reason is because they know what their weak points are and they come up with plans to navigate that. And then they know what their strong points are and they know how to really highlight and build up those, those experiences. So we need to be like Disney. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we went to Disney and uh, what is it called? Genie plus or something like that. I don't even know. I yeah. don't, we I didn't don't wait in a single line. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. Okay, maybe I do care. I, I, I didn't yeah. ask how much it cost. <laughs> that's the way that's to helpful. do it, though. <laughs> it's like an app or something, right? You Genius. Well, you wear these things called magic bands, and then, oh, you know, yeah, you, right, you yeah. just, like, it's like, oh, there's the line for the, the Genie Plus people, and you just, like, walk by all the people, and it's like... <laughs> legal cutting <laughs> legal cutting yeah we did it at disneyland it. and it was like a way different experience though like we felt That's like we got we gypped it. oh really? Oh, really it worked it worked for you yeah, yeah. No. 
the first ride we wanted to get on said we had to wait four hours. We're like, this is ridiculous. It makes no sense at all. Yeah. Why did we waste our money? We didn't yeah. That might not be that might be the magic band. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It sounds like two different. Yeah, things. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I love turtles, guys. And th this is all about um, I see value. So I will tell you 100 percent. I, I was always conflicted when I worked in conservation. And I'm like, why, why, why do I feel conflicted? Why, why is this? What's the conflict? You know, I am working to protect a, a population of spotted turtles and Blanding's turtles and Massasaugas. Um, yet I'm producing hingebacks at home. Why, why can't I do both? You know, it, these people over here say, oh, you can't do that. Or there's something wrong with that. No, there's not. Both are good. Both are important. If if we did yeah. not know how to take care of animals in captivity, we would not be able to advance conservation. And ultimately, um, I, I think that if you know we practice this conscientious herpetoculture, we publish what we learn, we share what we learn with scientists, with government, with everybody, then we will truly, you know absolutely make a difference and this this separation that we draw um and and i will tell you don't anybody out there that's legally keeping reptiles and amphibians don't let people make you feel that that's not important because there is value but we're going to work on showing you how that's valuable and how you can make it even more valuable that's that's our goal I love you. Yeah. Tom, you're Can a great I, speaker. Thank you. Yeah. No, I just, I, it's funny because we've, it, it's difficult in text. And, and I don't mean text like phone text, but like mess, you know, messenger text, uh, uh, social media comments. It's tough to really hash this stuff out. And it's, yeah. again, it's wild that it took us this long, but I, I really, <laughs> this is funny and embarrassing at the same time. I feel like I understand you for the first ah, time, sure. even though I've been watching your stuff. <laughs> yeah. I really do understand where you're coming from more. And I agree with it wholeheartedly. And I think anytime that I've felt like things I was reading that you wrote where I'm like, oh, I don't know, it's, it's really been a lot of semantics for me. So uh, this has been really, really helpful. I hope that other folks have gotten a lot out of it. I, I look forward to talking to Tom more. If you're somebody who who has a nonprofit or is involved in some sort of institution or something like that and wants to be involved in what we're talking about with actually hashing things out, some definitions and some ideas about how we can be better. Or if you have a place where you'd like to, like a website where you'd like to put that up, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we're going to say yes, but I'm saying you could reach out. Did that sound really <laughs> pompous? I'm just saying. So Anthony, so what is, I will say I will guarantee you, we are doing everything we need to do as a group, right? It's just, and, and that's the whole point of an organization, right, Anthony? I mean, you work for this, this hospital and, and you have, I don't know, how many people work at your vet clinic? Uh, like 105. So a hundred, oh, wow. you and that, that's it's about we have about one hundred and thirty em, employees. 
uh, working with people is hard. I mean, it's hard. You're, you're like, yeah. You you come home at the end of the day, and it's like, drain. What? Why, why, why do I? Left. Why do I? Why do I put myself through this? Well, it's <laughs> that's what I do, right? It's hard. I I have forty people that I work with directly that they all need something from me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they all have something different. They're all good at something. Yeah, they sure. suck at at something. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so do I. Um, yep. Me too. And 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 uh, so it's not about us doing better, in my opinion. It's about us taking all the good things that we're good at and just magnifying that across correct the whole organization and working together as this body of people. And, correct. And that's that's why organizations exist in uh in our society because we can't all do everything great we can't all keep great records we can't all give away turtles for free to everybody but uh, we can't all write scientific articles but i guarantee you within our circle and lots of other people that we could recruit to the process we've got those skills and talents it's just about amplifying them across the organization so it's it's not necessarily about us doing better it's just about us working together that's how yeah. i like to phrase it understanding the perception is everything as well and just Absolutely. Uh, what the, the the examples we put out of of what we're doing how do we highlight that i think about that a lot and i'm probably not successful all the time but i do think about it a lot and i think that's the first step if you're not thinking about that and you're just thinking about how to have a good time and how to make a buck, then, you know, we might need to work on that a little bit. Yeah. And I, I will tell you that's perfectly okay, but it's not conscientious herpetoculture and it's, it's not conservation or preservation. Um, most likely. Love it. I love it. And any last thoughts for anybody, Emily, I'm Emily, this is a little bit new, you know, this is nerding out to a level of turtleness that is, that you probably don't do on a daily basis. So I apologize. And, and I also am, am grateful for your being such a good sport. Uh, so yeah, I have two things on my end. First of all, awesome. An- Anthony, you are such a hype man. I love it. It is so refreshing. <laughs> it, it's just, you're always so positive. Um, but the second thing is uh, behind you, Tom, it, yes. there's a fish tank and I've yes. been watching a fish swimming back and yeah. forth this whole time. Is there yeah. a turtle in there too? No, no, just fish. There okay. are some like you're probably seeing the rosy reds. That <laughs> Miss, we use missed opportunity. Feeder yeah. for our largemouth bass. Uh-huh. But uh, below the, there's the lower enclosure. Those are fire-bellied toads. So, oh, okay. Um, we have I don't have any turtles in my office, unfortunately, but uh, that might change. Zero yeah. turtle, Tom. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Tom. <laughs> If you're gonna put the one species in your uh, your offense, what's it gonna be? Oh, I can't. I can't. That's a secret. I can't reveal that's a that. Secret. <laughs> Spangler. All right. Spangler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a testudo. Oh. Oh, don't say it. Fish and wildlife. Just kidding. It's not that one. <laughs> so. <not> one. <laughs> testudo. Do you want to know what I have in my office right now? Yes. In quarantine. Yep. Uh, sure I do. have two death adders. Uh, they're in quarantine. What? Yep. 
there's a sneak peek. We're going to be opening a Death Adder exhibit in the next few months. So keep your eyes. You're peeled. excited by this. I'm terrified by that. I'm yeah. terrified I'm in the same state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, That's incredible. So I, I have the book on the bookshelf. Um, the uh, Roger the Conant's. Oh, yeah. You guys know this book? Life and Times, yeah. Of Roger Conant. Um, mm -hmm. This book convinced me to not be a zookeeper herpetologist <laughs> because <laughs> all of his friends die of snake bite. <laughs> what a way um, to go. Don't put that into the air. Don't. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah, don't you? I mean, that was <clears throat> like the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, now we have uh, much safer protocols. But, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's a relatively new concept, right? I mean. Um, people were still free handling venomous snakes when, you know, in the eighties and nineties when I was a kid. They still are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even, mm -hmm. but not not so much in zoos though. No. Well, at least in AZA facilities. Um, mm -hmm. Protective yeah. protected contact is is yep. all the rage. Had I, had I learned about protected contact when I was like thirteen, I probably would have been a, a zookeeper. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> We have yes. a lot of shift boxes fun. for some of our more dangerous guys. Um, I've been promoting that just for safety. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's a lot safer now. Yeah. <laughs> this is this has been an amazing chat with you guys. I really appreciate it. I, I hope that the viewers enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, I think, Tom, you're, you're what an amazing addition to our our world um, of you. turtle nerds. And, and I, I can't be more uh, proud and grateful to, you know, call you a, a colleague and a friend. So th thank you for joining us. Thank you for everything you're doing. Looking forward to collaborating more, uh, hopefully just lending a hand to what it seems like you've already been doing uh before i realized that like let's do this together You're like i've already done it all well yeah sure yeah no, i said be no, collaborative no, so no we need to we, yes need, here, we <laughs> need we need to flesh those ideas out and we need yeah. to do, do it together and and yeah. so i think we're, and then we can start we have these platforms like we talked about so yep. we the podcast let's talk turtles your your yep. youtube we can start to really you know when we decide what it is that we want to stick with start to really drive that home with folks and hopefully gain some traction and maybe change you know i, I my a great accomplishment i think would be if we could come up with some terms to use some hashtags to use whatever it is and then they start to show up in people's posts and mm. people's videos that are not involved in that process I like that. that that i think would be the ultimate yeah, that's success that's right, your benchmark. That's that's Correct. your 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 um your target. Pie in yep. the sky, right? But these are the things we have to think about as opposed to it's gotta be oh, measurable. I want to take in one more species and just yeah. cram more animals in and breed yeah. one more species or whatever it is. Like yeah. like yeah. how do I make the most impact? And that's I, I love writing for that reason. Like I feel like my my writing has way more of an impact and and even the crappy YouTube videos I made 12 years ago had more of an impact than a lot of the species that I produced. And and all of it is important, but, you know, I, I just think we need to f flip the paradigm a little bit and, and think more critically about how we can make a more positive impact. Mm. Absolutely. Cool. Kev, Thanks, what do you guys. got, man? I agree wholeheartedly. I've been enjoying this conversation. I haven't talked a lot because of the 
this stuff going on. So but, uh, this has been one of my favorite uh, podcasts in a while. So Tom, thank you for being a thank. Thank you for being a guest. Uh, I really appreciated hearing you know hearing your voice talking to you as far as uh, just seeing like you know posts online. Um, so this has been great, and I look forward to talking to you more in the future. Uh, and one last thing, as far as this goes, you guys should definitely use acronyms. Governments love acronyms. Uh-huh. So uh, I know we talked about something in the past, Anthony, where it was like carapace or plastron, do the opposite mm-hmm. and cl- make it all together. Mm-hmm. We did come up with one that was carapace. I like that one a lot. But Well, can that be spoken about now or no? I don't even remember anymore. Okay. We, I think it was it was more like what the AZA ended up doing with their SAFE program. It was like, you know, a lot of people are focusing on on non-natives or something we were doing with Chris to like, let's focus because New Jersey has good laws that allow you to have a permit to work with stuff that would do well in that environment, like native species. And we could actually, you know, do something, put something together to actually put words behind what we're doing and some organization organization behind what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But Steve is saying he hates acronyms. I knew that already <laughs> because he, he hated when I came up with those acronyms. They were forced, but they were... <laughs> They weren't bad. I, I, I will tell you, cheese is good. Yeah. <laughs> when when I started uh, working in the central office, well, kind of administration, I created this cuss jar um, for anybody that referred to our agency as the acronym because we had this nasty habit of talking about ourselves like that in public, and every, nobody knew what that right. meant. And right. and and um nobody would look what I, the only data we had to know about how people were finding us and interacting with us was Google search terms. You can't get that anymore, but nobody was searching for DNAP to find us. It was always state nature preserve. So I'm like, do not right. ever use that acronym again. <laughs> Come up with a short name that people re- remember. People will right. make an, an acronym out of it anyways, but that's just, you know, that's two turtle Tom, triple T. What I don't know if people will do that, but that's that's why I chose two turtle Tom. It's just real quick, real easy. Yeah, maybe people will say triple T, but it's always two turtle Tom. Anyways, thanks, guys. And I will say, you know, the, the animals that I, Kevin, the reason why I say I can't is because it's, it may or may not happen. So we'll see. Yeah, no worries. I, yeah. I, Love it. I cannot. I'm not offended. Thanks. Yeah, you guys will eventually know I'm working on something. So, cool. Love it. Yeah. Th- thank you guys so much. Thank you everyone who tuned in. This this has been a real treat. Uh, looking forward to in two weeks getting on again. We'll be guestless, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to to chat about you know current events, what's going on, maybe learn more about Emily because my goodness, every time we're on here, there's something interesting that comes <laughs> out. Sometimes multiple like active hunter okay yeah <laughs> death adders in the office yeah okay. tell that. me more <laughs> yeah. right yeah i want to awesome. talk about the hunting There's afterwards as well yeah okay it's just it's just the best yeah so uh thank you all uh two turtle tom this is tall turtle tony and the gang <laughs> emily kevin i appreciate you all steve behind the scenes love you buddy everybody who tuned in thank you and we'll see you next time yeah thanks guys thanks. thank you Good night.